You're listening to ZZ Talk, a father-son generational podcast where we talk about entertainment, culture, and a variety of other subjects from the perspectives of both Gen Z and Gen X. I'm Noah. I'm Greg. And this is ZZ Talk. Welcome to the show. So um, this is the fourth time we are recording this episode, but we finally got to um, record uh, together again because, as many people may know, I moved to the city recently, and um, we haven't been able to be in the same space all at once. Um, but... And because it's 2021, um, apparently this thing called the internet doesn't always work properly. I don't know what it is. Uh, wherever I go, it seems like I just get really spotty Wi-Fi, but... Regardless of that fact, um, that kind of inspires the episode today. So I've moved on um, and I've gotten, I guess, my first professional job uh, sort of as, you know, a young person in the workforce. And I'm used to working. I did in high school very often and then through college. But I'd say this is the very first time that I was probably expected to adhere to professional standards. So I was on LinkedIn the other day, and I saw uh, my dad's 31st work anniversary. That is true. So 31 long years. So uh, I figured... It's funny how you don't really remember that, mm-hmm. but LinkedIn does. So then all of a sudden your inbox starts you know, filling with people congratulating you, and it's just like, oh, I guess I've been here for X amount of time. Yeah, yeah. But I, I feel like LinkedIn is uh, just trying to... Um, get more people interacting on yeah the well i appreciate that it was nice to hear from people that i didn't even know i was connected to on linkedin so yeah um there you go yeah but 31 years so it got me thinking um how can i really navigate this sort of world of insane expectation sort of like when i haven't been prepping for it for you know way too long I know that we had college, of course, but a lot of this is stuff that you have to either learn on your own or have like a mentor for. Mm-hmm. So I thought, what better to do than ask my dad, who's been in the work professional workforce for 31 years, uh, sort of as an interview type style. Here we go. Uh, do you have anything you want to say? Any disclaimers? Any? Are you, would you say, jack of all trades, master of none? Uh-huh. I would definitely say that. I would also say that uh, anything that I'm going to respond to is going to be based on my experience and mm-hmm. opinion. Not necessarily factual, but mm-hmm. based on 31 years of working in a professional environment. So Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate your confidence in what I might have to impart. <laughs> well, we'll see. Uh, so uh, we're going to start off with the basics. So we're just starting from the bottom of the totem pole. Uh, when was the first time you had to wear a suit, you know, just get dressed up for something. I know that you were... For a work thing or just in general? Just in general, you know. I I know you were at church on Sundays Uh uh, kind of kid, so I'd imagine it was pretty early. It was. I would say it was like middle school. Middle school. You know, my dad always, uh, your grandfather always Mm -hmm. wore a suit um, Mm -hmm. to his job. And so I guess, you know, you when you see that all the time, as you Mm -hmm. well know, you sort of... um, almost expect that maybe well back then i think you expected that you know maybe the kind of role that you would have would uh, involve the same attire so for me i think it was probably middle school years going to church is when i wore a suit and i always like to get dressed up so 
Even in high school, that's don't cor- we're, that's yeah, correct. No, I'm looking at that expression on your face. <laughs> uh, I tended to like to dress up, and you know what they say: uh, look good, feel good. Of that's course, that's exactly right. And um, and they also say it's better to look good than to feel good. What did you? Um, Billy what, Crystal what did you said wear that on senior prom? Mm-hmm. I, I wore a white tux, of, of course, with, as with one tails does. and a top <laughs> hat and gloves and a cane. Were you uh, like? Straight from a fairy tale yeah. or something? <laughs> it was uh, a little over the top, but that's, you know, 35 years of That's hindsight. how you make a statement. That's course, how you make right? a statement. You know, I mean, honestly, you know, there was a little bit of that in there. You know, it was just sort of like, well, I'm the guy who gets dressed up a lot to go to school. You so how well do I step it up? Drive the message the, home. Right? Exactly. Exactly. Now, you need to know that, as you well know, I'm 6'4", so with the top hat on, I'm like 10 feet four inches tall (laughs) (laughs) that's pretty cool it's kind of ridiculous that's pretty cool but yeah i mean sort of uh on that note so you were pretty young when i was middle school i would say and then into high school yeah um what do you think is just the right age or you know probably a good age for guys to be able to learn how to tie a tie yeah i think tying a tie is even though life has become more casual Mm -hmm. and work environments have become more casual i think tying a tie is one of those things that People should know how to do because there will be occasions in your life. It's like I think everybody, again, I think everyone should own a suit Mm -hmm. that fits because you never know when you're going to have to go to something, a wedding, a funeral, a formal event of any kind. Uh, And a suit is not formal, formal, but it's, you know, appropriate for a lot of um, events that you might have to go to in life. Um, I think... Like that, having the ability to tie a tie is really important because what you want to do is be able to throw on a tie and the last minute's notice and have it look good. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And you know, and there's, there's no such thing as a clip-on tie. Uh, well, yeah, I suppose in the, <laughs> in, in the world of um, professional expectation. But you're right. I mean, it's just like one of those things that you might not need every single day, but when you do eventually need it, you're going to have to know how to do it. It's like you know being able to change a tire right. or like replace a tire. Yeah, I think um, that's a good analogy. Yeah, and, or a comparison anyway. Uh, yeah, and you know, uh, so when I was um, when I was in a fraternity in college, sometimes we would have events where we had to you know get dressed uh, for a chapter wide event or meeting, and you know people would have to wear ties as part of the dress code, or you'd get fined. And some people just did not know how to tie mm-hmm. ties. And mm-hmm. I mean, this is when we were you know eighteen, nineteen, twenty, mm-hmm. and I would remember thinking to myself, I'm glad that you showed me in middle school and I sort of you know had to keep working with mm-hmm. it to like get it down to a science in high school but it, it's a useful skill mm-hmm. it really is. It is I still can't tie a bow tie though I yeah. can't easier really yes it's why I wear bow ties more than regular ties because there's for me there's much greater consistency in a, in a bow tie than there is in a regular tie Huh. In I terms always, of the knots. I always hear the opposite, mm-hmm. but that's cool to hear from you. Mm-hmm. So um, I guess another question I have is when you think of professionalism, mm-hmm. what is your own definition of that? How has that sort of been applied to your life? And do you have any role models that you could maybe apply your definition to? Mm-hmm. I think professionalism is um, a way of doing things that is customer-centric, that demonstrates a level of um, knowledge. I always... Um, I'm careful not to lean on expertise, but I do think there is some, you know, experience leads to uh, an understanding of how to do something successfully, I Uh think. So I think my definition of professionalism would be um, doing something to a standard that distinguishes you or your organization 
and you're doing it in a way that presents um, yourself and your organization in a very positive light. Right, but it's not, the worth isn't to glorify just yourself as an individual. It should speak to, more towards how you contribute to an organization. 100%. Right. 100%. Because you have a saying about this, right? Or I, I remember you told me something about it where you say, if you work hard and you don't think of, you're not like promotion minded, then your work will speak for you. And then that's when you'll be able to move on up. And I feel like a lot of that is very team oriented and mindset because if you're just focusing on yourself, then uh, honestly, what is the gain for anyone else, anybody else in that organization you're working for? Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of a pitfall of um, a lot of people my age because, you know, every single every single person on the planet wants to be able to move on up the ladder. Sure. But when you're young and you see so many different ways to get successful super fast and we have that mindset of like, you know, we're instantly instant gratification. Right. And I get that because society has become that, you know, you yeah. can choose the music you want, you know, any kind of music immediately. You can choose what you watch, you know, streaming yeah. immediately. You can instant gratification is you can learn how to do something via YouTube immediately. Yeah. So I get that, but my experience again tells me that if you focus on doing good work, mm -hmm. the best work you can, um, and you are really focused on that and not on, okay, what is this going to do for me? Mm -hmm. By and large, that is going to be recognized yeah. and that will present opportunities. Yeah. Um, so I would, you know, I don't going into something thinking, okay, I'm going to do this for one year and then I'm going to get this. Um, I would say go into something um, without those expectations and let things happen because they will happen. Mm -hmm. They will happen. And if they don't, then you find a new opportunity. But you can't go into something expecting um, that what you want to have happen is always going to happen. Yeah. Um, let your work speak for itself. Yeah, I think that's a good answer to that. So sort of on the uh, flip side of uh, this question Obviously, when somebody is in a certain field for a long time, or even if they're new to the field, despite you know how skilled they can be, sometimes people mess up. You know, there are mm -hmm. failures on that sort mm -hmm. of end. How have you always responded to failure? Maybe just for yourself or with other people? Do you feel like it's more of a learning opportunity, or do you see it as perhaps a sign of incompetency. Uh, I mean, I, I know that you probably feel different about it now than you maybe you felt about it 10, 15 years ago because mm -hmm. I feel like when you're younger, it's so much easier to be harder on yourself mm -hmm. because you don't have that experience. Exactly. And yeah. I, I mean, honestly, in a lot of ways, sometimes it's just like if I make a small mistake, I, I'm just like, I have to take a beat just to breathe. Mm -hmm. And I think to myself, you know, why did I mess that up? But it's because... I'm still learning, you know, it's, yeah. I'm just beginning out this sort of experience. Yeah. I'd say without going into more detail than we need to, I mean, I failed at something this morning yeah. um, and, and you know what I'm referring to the pancake challenge, but that's a whole <laughs> other story. Um, you know, I, I think that 99% uh, of the things that we do in life, we learn from maybe a hundred percent. And one of the things I like most about the work that I do is that um, some of it is, is somewhat repetitive or cyclical, I should say. Yeah. And that presents opportunity to improve each time you revisit that cycle. Mm -hmm. um, if I have a presentation to do, I would love to have the opportunity to do it multiple times because as I'm standing there giving it, I think of things I say, 
or hear myself saying that I think, ooh, I can phrase that better the next time. Oh, don't we all in hindsight, though? I, 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 but I do it in the moment. I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to do this again because I'm going to get better at it. And, you know, I, I, incompetence is a very strong word. I, you know, I think you have to be in an environment for a, a fairly long time and have experienced a lot of things before one could identify incompetence. I think a lot of times it's it's just learning. Accidents happen though. Yeah, of course. Um, I think the degree of the mistake and its implications on uh, the organization mm. uh, and its constituents is something to be considered. It varies from yeah, you yeah. know situation to situation. Um, but I also think it's really important that if you mess up, you own it and you frankly apologize. I mean, even if it's a mistake and we can't control accidents, mm-hmm. um, recognizing that there was an error. I've learned a lot in this, you know, mistakes that we've made uh, in my um, environment that if you own up to it genuinely, I think people appreciate that. Well, yeah. I mean, it's maybe not even just apologizing, but show that you're willing to acknowledge where something went wrong and you're you're willing to take initiative to keep growing, keep learning, Mm -hmm. to, you know, be able to do better next time. Right. And I think, you know, failure, especially in American society, is just so... People are ready for you to fail. They're and, waiting for you to fail. And you know, it's... It's unfortunate. It's automatically a negative thing. Uh-huh. Nobody wants to fail. But no at the one same time, it's just a natural it's part of life. It's inevitable, unfortunately. And yeah. it depends on how you react to it, yeah. how you're going to be doing in the mm-hmm. future. So, yeah. I mean, that's a good thing to remember. I think conscientiousness, though, also lends itself to um, less failure. Mm-hmm. I think if you really invest in something, um, your attention to detail, your thought process... Um, is less likely to result in failure. Yeah, got it. All right. So um, I guess I want to ask this. How has your reaction to stress changed over time? <laughs> because I'll admit, um, couple. I'm, I'm about a month into my position now, and I've really loved it, but I think it's just the newness of it all with a bunch of tasks. There's certain times where I felt pretty stressed, and I just try to breathe to manage it uh, occasionally, but... I feel like it's something that you get used to the longer you go. I mean, how would you say 10, 15 years ago you dealt with stress versus how you deal with it now? I think it's different now. I think there's just more stress now. It could be because of the role that I have and the work that I do that makes it more stressful. But I also think expectations are greater with technology and um, that sort of thing. So how do, how do I handle stress now, comparatively speaking? Um, uh, any work environment is going to be stressful because mm-hmm. the demands are great. Um, the uh, the amount of email, um, my desire to keep up with things in a timely manner, my desire to go into a day or a meeting feeling at least somewhat prepared for it. Yeah. And that requires a lot of just thinking about things. Yeah, of course. And so I think it's really, really important that you find ways to, um, this is so cliche, but an outlet that helps you process that stress. Would that be running um, for, for me? You? That's running. I do a lot of thinking when I'm running um, that I wouldn't ordinarily do, mm-hmm. um, just because it's just my time, and it's 30 minutes a day most days. And uh, for me, that's how I sort of um, think about: okay, what's the first thing I'm going to do when we have this discussion, or say, or what do I need to do when I first arrive at the office today that will help me um, position me for. Uh, satisfaction. I think there are times when 
I'll go into the work day and um, um, I don't get a lot done because of all the interruptions, but mm-hmm. the interruptions are essential because that's part of the work that I do. Um, so, so a lot of times that means going into the office on the weekend or spending some time uh, online on the weekend to sort of get myself ready. And I can't think of it. I mean, is it frustrating? Yes, at times. Mm. Um, but that comes with responsibility. And I think that um, you have to realize that most jobs aren't nine to five anymore um, or eight to five. All those um, remote positions everywhere now. And I think I, my, my boss said once uh, a couple of years ago that uh, she introduced the term work-life integration. Mm-hmm. And that was sort of life-changing for me because in my mind there is no life balance, work-life mm-hmm. balance. Um, so you have to work when you have to work and you can play when you can play. And if you go into it thinking that way rather than saying, okay, for X amount of hours I'm going to work so that I can, I can play for the, the same number of hours, that's just unrealistic yeah. in a world where we're completely tethered by our phones and our laptops and that sort of thing. So work-life integration has been a really transformative thing for me. Yeah, I, it sounds really sim- simplistic to say that, but it's true. Well, no, I mean it's just a, a lot of uh, ways that you just respond to things are just how you think mm-hmm. about the certain topic. And I mean, you know, you can be thinking about uh, maybe one discussion or subject such as that mm-hmm. for I don't know ten years, and it's, it takes maybe one person yeah, to say something really different, and it me. makes you just sort of. I've re- tried to impart that too, because the other thing I think that helps um, assuage stress at work is working with really good people yeah and i have that um that i have the good fortune of doing that people mm-hmm. that are really smart really motivated really committed and um that takes away that mm, it helps manage the stress because we all feel it and if yeah. we all are in it together i think we all feel better about it well I d- yeah and i definitely agree finding an outlet for sort of what will help you be more clear-headed and you know take a minute to mm-hmm. sort of do something for you helps. So I guess your advice is uh, run for your, run your problems, right? Run from your problems. Run from your problems. Yeah. Run yeah. for your problems. Yeah. <laughs> run for, run from. Which creates another problem. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I, I guess another thing is now that you've worked with a variety of all sorts of people over the past 30 years, you know, you can't. 31. 31. You can't generalize. Uh, you can't generalize an entire, you know, population group or anything, but from what you've observed, what is especially important to remember about working with others? I mean, this seems like a simple question, but you know, what is something everybody should know about being able to manage their time working in a team and with you know just all sorts of different people, whole mm. diversity of um, you know those with different experiences, different walks of life? Yeah, I think. We, we, we look at everything in our lives based on our own lives, or that's our natural inclination. Yeah, so, certainly. You know, if we um, uh, get to work at a certain time or we um, uh, contribute to a conversation and, and we feel like others aren't, we think, okay, well, you know, maybe not everybody's on the same page here. The hardest part, I think, about where I work in a large team, and I, and I really like that, um, the hardest part of that is uh, reminding yourself because of time constraints and the stress associated with it that every person by and large is bringing something different to the team. And I said this to somebody the other day who's older than me and I said, you know, um, these people are bringing so much technology and creativity uh, and we're bringing the experience and the history Mm-hmm. Uh, and when those things are put together, I think 
um, you get a better outcome. So well, certainly, it's more important instead of. But it's really hard because you go in thinking, well, how come everybody else isn't, you know, talking about this? And you say, well, maybe they weren't here. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. It's just Were you, being able to recognize what people can contribute mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. and like how what you can contribute yeah. and how you can combine those two to make something successful, yeah. I think is especially important, which is why I don't really get the whole Gen Z versus millennials or millennials versus Gen X, because they're are so many similarities and one day that generation is going to get older and they're going to clash with the other generation it's just being able to understand what works about those things and things that you can agree on what will better like yeah but one of the things that's interesting about this day and age and we're recording this in 2021 is that you have i think four generations in the workplace because we're living longer we're as a result we're working longer and so you have you know older folks um, working with younger, there's a greater disparity in age. You think baby boomers are, for the most part, still working? Yeah, I think some are for sure. Um, yeah, okay. I think um, youngest baby boomers have to be what sixty-five, maybe. I'd have to look that up, but I definitely think that you know, I mean, the research bears out that you you have more um, the multi-generational workplace is more of a reality today than it's ever been. Oh, certainly. And um, I that. I can tell you that creates that creates challenges. It creates challenges because of what I just said. We're all looking at it from our our um, and, and honestly, things that Gen X doesn't value, Gen Z does value, and things and vice versa. Yeah, I and think understanding that is is um, challenging, but also something important to remember. Yeah, and I think you can see it as a challenge, but also recognize it as an opportunity, maybe to learn from another to learn. person. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot I can learn from um, multiple generations. That's for sure. It's just being open-minded. You know? mm-hmm. um, so uh, another question I have is, you know, professional standards, they aren't one size fits all, but to a degree, a lot of people can agree on, you know, some sort of idea of it. Um, when it comes to what everyone can or maybe should aspire to, what are three words that can be followed everyone, by everyone when it comes to professionalism? Commitment. Mm-hmm. Patience. Patience. That's important. And creativity or innovation. Um, and I say that because I think that just because you've always done something a certain way doesn't mean it always has to be done that way. Um, conditions change. Conditions time. change. Uh, but there are some consistencies across the board. There are certain ways of responding to the public. There are certain ways of addressing um, a concern that I think haven't changed. And that is by dedicating yourself to he- listening to mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. Um, and, and listening to people can be hard because some people can be really mean um, but never ever react um, I, I think this it's so easy to respond to an email um, when you haven't given yourself enough time to think through it yeah. I think a lot of times it's really important to pick up the phone and not respond via email um, there are a lot of times I might get a phone call or an email that is um, pretty pointed, and I will make it a habit to give myself 24 hours before I respond. Um, sometimes that's hard because you just want to fire back, but that is never, ever the right way to do it. You want to be responsive, but you also want to you want your in, your intellect to override your emotion. I agree. And so a lot of times people just go back and forth, back and forth. 
via email. And I remember learning this early. So somebody who I was really challenged to work with, not in, in my office per se, but I remember them writing and saying, this is ridiculous via email. I'm going to call you. And there are, and I learned from that. Um, and there are certain people that I get emails from that I will literally pick up the phone and say, I'm coming to see you. And I think we're better off for that because we're looking at each other straight in the eye and we're sort of not not confrontational, but you're just... Well, it's how we're supposed to communicate. We you know, are. When it yeah, comes to this... It's too easy to email someone back and be passive aggressive and all that. You know. And, you know, I think we've taken convenience and sort of implemented that as the majority way to communicate instead of valuing face-to-face communication. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, um, you know, with recent events, that's been less of an yeah. option. Yeah. But when you really come to think about it, text messaging, instant messaging, paging, even emails was just a more con- yeah. a convenient way to ping somebody, mm-hmm. right? You know, it wasn't the way that two people were supposed to just talk mm-hmm. over the course of time forever. I mean, it can be used as that, but I think the value of face-to-face interaction is, you know, it's irreplaceable. So we're having our staff meetings again in person. We're having um, other meetings in person that have been via Zoom or WebEx, um, you know, for the last year and a half. And in the first meeting or two in person, I felt so much more productive. It felt so much more satisfying to mm-hmm. be in the same space, to be able to, to see it's, it's also, we also knew that people weren't chatting yeah, you know, which is or messaging each other during the meeting, um, but I just felt like it. it we, I felt a stronger connection to the people with whom I was in the room, and I'd like to think that they did too. Yeah, yeah, I, that's certainly something that I think my generation especially understands because with text messaging, people can um, people will be talking to one another and really it can be difficult to understand like the diction of the text message mm-hmm. like what like how people their, what their tone is mm-hmm. so but when you talk to somebody in person i feel like it's you always know a lot better like what people are really feeling yeah. and what they really mean and i think a lot of people just appreciate not I just know, the gesture of I coming think, over yes. and it's so much easier mm-hmm. to just not see somebody the facelessness mm-hmm. of this instant messaging and just be mad at somebody but yeah that doesn't breed a healthy it doesn't it scenario doesn't. whether it's personal or professional well, you know because you can just keep creating something for yourself mm-hmm. until somebody comes along and actually speaks to you mm-hmm. and you can just quash it right there mm-hmm. but yeah that's good advice so i've got two more questions for you right. um what's the best piece of advice or a quote about professionalism that anybody's ever given you oh man you're gonna have to come back to that my best advice i've already shared Okay. Which is um, uh, do your best work. Come into the work environment uh, doing what you believe is your best work and people will, um, that over time, that will be observed and appreciated and respected. And that's a way to ler- literally earn, I think, um, the respect of your colleagues and the, your constituents with whom they're working. Yeah, I think that's a great answer. And um, I think my favorite answer so far, even though I've had limited experience, is um, in one of the packets. Um, so our office uh, sort of, we get to know our coworkers by having packets talking about what our style is mm-hmm. like. Mm-hmm. And and one of the quotes sort of as like an executive um, summary of that person, they said, 
I firmly believe we can always do better. Mm-hmm. And that's short, but I think that's powerful because it's growth mindset oriented. You can be very good at what you do, mm-hmm. but you know, you can take an, a little extra step every day, mm-hmm. you know, maybe wake up 10 minutes earlier, maybe go for that workout mm-hmm. in the morning instead of in the evening, mm-hmm. maybe spend more time doing this instead of that. I think there's always some way to improve in our lives. And I th- feel like that's one of the best just goals to keep us going. I find that very motivating and very exciting because I agree. I, I mean, it's, it's kind of like what I said about in the workplace, you can always, if, if you, the cyclical nature of the work, yeah. um, you can always do better. If you have different projects that are similar, but different, you know, from your experience in the prior project that you could do better in this one. And it encourages you to be more creative. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's a great, great thing. So last question. Yes. What's your number one piece of advice for myself and other young professionals going into this newly minted changing world of Mm -hmm. zoom of technology focused interaction, you know, where being face to face with one another is more of a suggestion rather than a requirement. Yeah, well, I think we've established that in-person builds stronger relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also know you have a friend who has graduated from college and has worked remotely yeah. his entire time. So, um, you know, I think that uh, one thing's for sure. You are very unlikely to work in the same space for 31 years. In fact, this, the statistic, I think, is Gen Z will have 27 jobs over their time. You're a unique case regardless. And yeah. I haven't had one job. I've had about five in but, the same environment, though. Yeah, but it's been with the same and, organization. Yes, different yeah. offices, but different. Um, so that's a whole, that's a very different thing. So I'm, I'm going to go back to um, commit to what you are doing. Uh, and recognize that specifically um, Gen Z mm. will be far more mobile than Gen X ever will be or was. Mm. Um, and in doing so, there's no wonder that the expectations or the um, the desire for advancement mm-hmm. is shorter. Um, but I would say regardless of whether you plan to be in an organization for a year or five years or mm. ten years... For one, I think that you're doing yourself a disservice if you go in saying, I'm going to do this for X amount of time and then move on. Mm-hmm. Now, people could disagree with me, but I think oftentimes you, in most places, if you're able to stay for multiple years, um, you will, again, learn from that experience far more than if you jump ship from one ship to another ship to another ship. Right. Um, so, I don't know. The original question, um, I guess my best advice is take advantage of the opportunities you have to learn in the space where you are, knowing that down the line, you will reflect on those experiences and be able to apply those, um, what you learned from that uh, in a wide variety of settings going forward. Definitely. And, and being able to... Um, make greater and more valuable contributions as a result. So just because you might not be in the role that you want to be in right here and now, mm-hmm. um, uh, the future, what the future holds uh, will be better because you are taking those experiences and applying them to multiple settings. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll make sure to uh, internalize that uh, for my sort of the coming of the rest of my career, you know, it's, it's important and I'm sure I'll be able to apply a lot of what you've said to my day to day and, um, 
Yep. Thank you. And I, well, sure. And I say this again. There's a lot I have to learn. There's a lot I continue to learn. There's a lot I want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and that's what motivates me. Yeah, I'm just gonna go be in, better. I'm going in with a growth mindset every day mm-hmm. because truly, I feel like uh, there's just so much to uh, so much value to gain from a lot of different people. Um, but yeah, that's great. So we have uh, finished that portion. We are on to one more section, which is check this out. Mm-hmm. What are we calling it? Check it out. Check it out. Yep. Check it out. Okay. What are you gonna check out, T? Uh, man. So <laughs> I had a <laughs> so I, I. I had a thing for this uh, when we recorded this mm-hmm. three times ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I would probably say. I'll go while you're thinking. Please do. Okay. <laughs> All right. So I got a show. Okay. <laughs> of course. Um, and the show is uh, Yellowstone on Peacock. Yes. So I don't think I've recommended recommended this before, but I highly, highly recommend it if you um, are up for a roller coaster ride. Um, I've learned a lot about what it's like to be a cowboy. Now, this is a fictional show, so I have no idea if this is completely accurate or even remotely accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is... Actually, I think I did recommend this before because I said Kevin Costner is really good. But it might have been on a previous recording of this, <laughs> edition, of this episode. So I'm just going to leave it at that. Check out... Yellowstone, three seasons on uh, Peacock. It's worth your time. Yeah. Um, I'll say this, uh, just more of uh, check this out as a public service announcement rather than something I've actually uh, experienced myself. But uh, Space Jam 2, A New Legacy, is out on HBO Max. So if you have HBO Max, then you can watch that now. I'm not sure if much of our audience would be particularly interested in uh, the new Space Jam. What is the demographic of our audience, Noah? I would probably say forty-five and up, for the most part. Young, we we do people. we do have some specifics, but people my age are. Um, Wait, you don't think I've seen Space Jam? No, you yeah. haven't. No, I haven't. You said that. I didn't, uh, see the first, <laughs> I didn't see the first one either. But you know, if you like Space Jam, and of course, you know, Looney Tunes predates, uh, you know, a movie that came out in the nineties uh, by what? It Looney Tunes has been around since. Oh, then. since the. 60s, 50s, I don't know. Absolutely. So if you wanna, if you wanna see uh, LeBron James act alongside, I think there's a, I think there's a couple other uh, top-rated NBA players, um, sort of uh-huh. alongside the Tune Squad, that is in uh, theaters and it is also available uh, if you have a subscription to HBO Max. So check that out if you've been interested or you didn't know. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you. And uh, it looks like this is actually going to be the only successful recording of this episode. Um, We wish you could give you the the behind-the-scenes rough cuts, but you probably don't want to hear those. And we know you were waiting on Wednesday. Uh, so sorry we had to drop this four days later. Yeah, no kidding. So We're not going anywhere. We just were a little delayed this week. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, with that in mind, I'm Noah. I'm Greg. And this is Easy Talk. Talk.